It's Monday, August 9th, and you've got Oz in your ears. Oh, Afghanistan, save us from Babylon. Yeah, they can take your name away. Can they take us to it shows Reuters photojournalist Namir Noradan, driver Saeed Jamak, and several others gunned down by U.S. military in a public square in eastern Baghdad. Pilots apparently mistook the camera carried by a newsman for a weapon. Come on, fire! Hey, Roger. After the initial shooting, an unarmed group of adults and children in a minivan arrived on the scene and attempted to transport the wounded. The van was fired upon as well. Come on! WikiLeaks showed photographs of the children in the van who survived. We can infer that these sort of attacks are going on in Afghanistan. But this is the reality of modern warfare. Oh, Afghanistan, save us from Babylon. The real reason that I think Americans are going to be concerned is that there that is that there is no prospect that the mission for which their sons and daughters are being sent can be accomplished. Let me go. Give me to go. Just release. Get me to be released. Uh, I would recommend halting the surge. Uh, and a rather rapid withdrawal of a significant part of the U.S. forces that have been sent into Afghanistan over the last year. I want to go home. You know, the, the men, Afghanistan men, who are in our prisons, they want to go home too. Oh, Afghanistan, save us from Babylon. Yeah, they can take your name away. Can they take us to Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Radio Free Oz up here on RadioFreeOz.com. You do have Oz in your ears here in the midst of August. Uh, I'm your co-host and host. I guess we just switch it upon, you know, who is who? I'm Peter Bergman. Co-host here is David Oz. I am. You are. We are together. Well, here David, we are. David, we get the I Told You So Prescient Award. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the I you Told You So. Yeah, the oh. I Told You So. This is it. All right. Okay. So here's an article from the Daily Beast. Just picked it up. It said, who's in charge of the post-spill scrubbing here? The August issue of Vogue Italia. By the way, I love Vogue Italia. Vogue Italia. Italia. It, is, it is the ad, It's right? Eve on Stool's favorite magazine. Features a 24-page water and oil editorial. <laughs> Shots by photographer Steve Mizell of 24-year-old Kristen Mc- McManamy covered in oil, coughing up seawater and wearing dirty black feathers on a beach. <laughs> Refinery29 says the photos are beautiful, but concludes treating beauty and glamour out of tragedy seems quite fucked up to us. Not to mention wasteful and hypocritical seeing as thousands of dollars of luxury clothing were flown in and then subsequently ruined for for the shoot. All I got to say is Dave and I were way ahead of the game. Maestro, roll Pelican briefs. 
This is uh, David Osman. I'm on the road for Radio Free Oz here in Gay Paris. And I'm beside the runway here at the celebrated Salon of the notoriously controversial haute couture designer Yves Sansdul. <laughs> Bonjour, Yves. Welcome to my Salon, David. Uh, we have just a moment before the showing starts for my latest collection, Toxique. Toxique, huh? Well, Eve, you're probably best known for your squid <laughs> agony boots. You you introduced them at your first salon back then in uh, 1980, right? Well, I have them here in the case, the, the prototype of the agony boot. Oh, that's the look of the 80s, the cowboy styling. It's the fashion of President Reagan. He may have been brain dead, but the man knew how to wear that cowboy look. Uh-huh, and this exotic leather. Polar what bear hides, the stripes of the Komodo dragon. Uh-huh, and this uh, very high heel uh, lucite with the flashing lights. Well, the beautiful lights were made by the agony of the squid uh-huh. who emits the electric pain every time the wearer steps on the heel compressing this little petite mollusk. Oh, wow. And, but you had to take them off the market. Peter brought me down. Uh, I told them that the squid has a happy life safe in the heel of the Reagan boot but they put a picket line in front of my door. What What could I do? Well, I, I see the showing's about to begin here. Uh, the audience is very excited. You can tell me uh, what are we going to see today in your show? Toxic uh-huh. presents disaster fashions. Uh-huh. As you know, I normally design for the humans, but with the crisis in the Gulf, I, I have turned my attention to clothing for the aquatic victims of this man-made tragedy. Oh, oh so dommage. <laughs> it is for Issan's stool to make it right for the poor animal, n'est-ce pas? Oh, well, oh, and here, here comes your first model. The exotic beauty Giselle showing my fabulous oil-repellent pelican briefs made from the freshly recycled wild bird feathers, a form-fitting, as you see, for the natural look of nature in the raw. Oh, that's timely, timely, Eve. And, and here comes your model, Raffaella. Ooh. She is wearing my dolphin slicker. Everyone knows the dolphin doesn't look so good coated in oil, so I've designed the tight-fitting sailor costume of oil-free oil cloth with a self-sealing flap for the blowhole. Oh, aha, <laughs> uh-huh. that's very, very thoughtful. Okay, now this next model, Lauren well, Hutton, yeah. showing the t- turtle shell by shell. Turtles and models can all live forever with this tropical carapace of million-year-old ivory hand-carved by Froggy Island Boys. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Oh, this must be the finale. It's uh, the, the bridal costume. Is that... For the first time, I show the bride in bed. Oh. The pollution-free happy oyster bed. I begin with a mattress of clean sand covered with the 700-count hazmat on the bottom, uh-huh. then spill repellent cover-up linens, uh-huh. the flesh pillows and duvet boom are stuffed with clippings from famous Hollywood poodles and gaga wigs. Oh. And finally, the green wash sham, sham for complete protection in the season of the hurricane. Well, well, uh, that sounds like a, a thorough but the bride herself, uh, can you describe her outfit? Of course, uh-huh. Imani is dressed as a prototype of the jumper jail suit in Florida orange with stripes of bayou blue. Oh, it looks pretty rugged. It has to be. I'm making it for the president of BP, Tony Hayward. <laughs> You will have to wear it a long, long time. Well, everybody seems very enthusiastic about that. Congratulations on your non-toxic showing. Yves Sansdoul for Radio Free Oz. This is David Osmond in Paris. Au revoir! Don't you feel that there's a general sense of like, well, we're we're through with that oil thing now. It's capped and everything's going to be kind of okay and let's go back to baseball or something like it. I can feel it in the nature of the articles that are being written in the newspaper. And I think it's all part of us being out of our minds, i.e. out of sight. 
out of minds. Well, USA Today has an interesting story about this. It says, with the surface oil slicks fading from view in the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, the fade from view, goodbye, not there, no problem. Courtesy of the Cap Macondo Well, we'd be out of our minds to think that the oil still isn't there, warned forensic toxicologists. Fat Allen, the retired Coast Guard Admiral, also pointed out that since 40% of the leaked oil, more than 90 million gallons of crude by U.S. Geologic Survey scientist estimates, is missing. Wait a minute. 90 million gallons are missing. There's the issue of whether or not we may find oil under the water, Allen added. A chemical spill in the ocean is what this Gulf of Mexico leak is, really, says chemist Kim Anderson of Oregon State University in Corvallis. The crude oil remains diesel. The crude oil contains diesel. It contains gasoline. It contains kerosene, methane. It contains chemicals that are unfortunately carcinogenic. That's redundancy. When is that? Well, they're fortunately carcinogenic. Hey, guess what? Methane causes cancer. Hooray. Literally, there are hundreds of chemicals in crude oil, he says. Each kind of chemical in the crude oil responds to tides, currents, saltiness of the seawater in different ways, Anderson says. Tracking them all down is like chasing bees from a smash hive. They go every which way possible. It's a good image. I remember that uh, Philo Farnsworth, who started television, excuse me, invented the television tube, said he, he invented it because he had this vision of a swarm of bees in his head. Well, maybe we can think of the Gulf of Mexico as a swarm of bees underwater and do something about it. Complicating the search for the chemicals is the amount of dispersant, about 1.84 million gallons applied to uh, oil from the leak. It, it did its job acting like dish soap on bacon grease, congealing the oil into tiny droplets that microbes can begin eating. That means they are in the food chain, Short says. Whether people will want to swim or eat food from water that looks clear but has high concentrations of toxins will be interesting, she says. Very, very interesting. Hi, neighbors. I'm Edgar Allan Poe, manager of Bird of Prey Motors, and where you can follow the feathers under the sign of the black bird. If you've been turned down before, never more. Yes, <laughs> that's right, Nick. Yes, that's my bird, Nick, and I guess I know a bird when I see one. Look, even if you've been killed in an auto accident and can't get your driver's license back from the police, we don't help you. Well, you know, usually it takes a lawyer to help a doctor to cure a policeman. Never more. But if it's action you want, well... We're all actors here. And here. And here. At all the Bird of Prey garages in Gotham and Metropolis. And now in Duckburg at Dockside at the corner of Sump Up Up Avenue. Our precision auto salvage and body belts and transmission problems too. Hey, you come on down where the president stands under every car all day long. That's the Bird of Prey garages serving the Tri-City area since 10 o'clock. Every morning. Hey, when do we close? Never more. Never more. I will stand upon my head. Till this bird is dead at the bird of prey, the bird of prey garage. Everybody's afraid of being the messenger that gets beheaded because they brought the bad news. How many how many times have we heard over the last month or or, or year? Things are getting better, light at the end of the tunnel, can't get any worse, so we're beginning to climb out of this. It's long, but we're going to make it. Things are getting better, not so. Personal spending was unchanged in June, the Commerce Department reported recently. 
It was the third straight month of lackluster consumer demand. Incomes were also flat, the weakest showing in nine months. It's not getting better, better meaning you know, return to the bubble. It's getting worse, but perhaps this will encourage us to think about our lifestyle. The lack of growth for spending and income shows the economy ended the second quarter on a weak note. Many analysts believe growth will slow further in the second half of the year as high unemployment, shaky consumer confidence, and renewed troubles in housing weigh on the year-old economic recovery. What that really says is we're completely fakakt. We lived way beyond our means. We created a housing bubble that was a fraud. We, we sat around pushing paper at jobs that were meaningless. And now that we're going to have to come home and get on the ground, things are weak and slow. Americans appear to be preparing for tough times. Well, I hope so. I am. I'm an American, and I am preparing for tough times. The personal savings rate, now here's the interesting thing, rose to 6.4% of after-tax incomes in June, the highest reading in nearly a year. The savings rate is now about three times the 2.1% average for all of 2007 before the recession began, and it was lower than that when things were really high-flying, when you just couldn't buy enough off the shelf or off the internet. I mean, Japan has always had four, five, six percent, uh, you know, savings rate. Now we're now we're saving six point four percent because we don't think anything else is going to be in the mail. Consumer spending is closely monitored because it accounts for 70% of the total economic activity. That's all very well and good, but couldn't we replace some of that with infrastructure uh, jobs, with uh, education jobs, with the kind of stuff that helps everybody, that improves the common wheel? Maybe we could take down the percentage of consumer spending as total economic activity down to 50% and put the other 20% into production. Productive preparation for the future. You know, it's not necessarily a good idea to rape our children's future. The government reported that the overall economy, as measured by the gross domestic product, showed that it had slowed to an annual growth rate of just 2.4% in the April to June quarter. That was down from 3.7% growth rate in the first three months of the year, a slow year to begin with and a 5% spurt in activity in the fourth quarter of last year. What that spurt was uh, was a result of, <laughs> it's news to me. The slowdown reflected the decline in consumer spending, which rose at an annual rate of 1.6% in the second quarter compared to 1.9% in the first quarter. It's slowing down. It's going to continue to slow down. Because one of the problems is, is, as things get weaker and bleaker and we're not willing to take responsibility and begin to come up with plan B and plan C, we create this huge gathering of angry Americans. They're going to take it out on Obama, the not me. Either he's the not me or he's the guy that somehow promised us salvation and didn't come through. We're going to hate Washington. We're going to hate politicians. We're going to hate immigrants. We're going to hate terrorists. We're going to hate Muslims. We're going to hate everybody except ourselves. Now, I'm not promoting self-hate. All I'm talking about is self-analysis. It may be initially negative self-analysis. I'm going through it. How about you? Economists are worried that the financial troubles weighing on households could cause spending to ebb even more in the second half of the year. Economists are worried. The only economists that are worried are the ones that have been pink-slipped. The subpar economic growth, just about half the pace normally seen coming out of a deep recession, has made little headway in reducing the 9.5% unemployment rate Excuse me for being redundant and boring. 9.5% of official bozos who put up their hands when they're asked, are you out of work? The others are too weak to even raise their hands. 
Oh, it's nice to be an American. <laughs> Time Magazine uh, tells us that um, Ameri- Americans, we Americans, are Americans, or we're used to having our blackberries glued to our hands. But after October 11th, travelers who fly into the United Arab Emirates, for whatever reason they would do that, oh, will have to check their precious data service at the border. The UAE's telecommunications regulator, whoever that is, you know. Oh, it's an, an imam somewhere. An imam, yeah. Sheikh Not Stirred, I think is his name, right? <laughs> uh, his, uh, he, he, the regulator announced that because of security concerns, visitors and the some half million local subscribers will have to learn to live without BlackBerry messaging, email, and internet. The Emirates and other countries such as India and Kuwait have long battled with Research in Motion, the Canadian company that makes the BlackBerry over the device's encryption which makes it virtually impossible for governments to monitor the content for politically or morally objectionable material. Really? Is that what makes a BlackBerry a BlackBerry? Yeah, yeah. Well, now it's a blackout berry. And Saudi Arabia just joined its brothers there. You you can no longer do it because they can't can't regulate you. They can't censor it is what the word is. Regulate it has nothing to do with it. Regulating it is free, right? And now we talk. Free. We're not talking. The, the interesting thing about these parts of the world is these these little sandy places that have oil and little else. Is that it's not just national security because there's not much of a nation there. It's moral problems. David. Sure. Well, you could talk about the legitimacy of gay marriage. You could you could talk about the fact that there may be more than one prophet. Who knows what you could say? Well, you can't say anything in Saudi Arabia, which is where we should have gone to war in the first place. If we'd gone to war with any. Anybody, that it, would have been the place to start. Well, and Gary Hart, that government, and then we're, we could make some progress in the world. You know who really agrees with you on that is both Gary Hart and James Woolsey. Woolsey, the former head of the CIA, yeah. later CIA. on d- doing a, a little little bit of this um, talk they do together. They're now on the road. Woolsey is really hot, and he says, "Look, yeah, you know, you know what the problem is? It's the Wahhabis in Saudi Arabia. You want to take out the problem?" Take out Saudi Take Arabia. Out Saudi Arabia. Stop buying any oil from them. Right. Yeah. Burn I mean, the turban, baby. You know, Burn. If you, if, you, if you can keep, if you can keep, uh, I don't know, cigars in Cuba and people out. Yeah. Then it seems to me that you could find some other source of oil other than having to to submit your BlackBerry to scrutiny by some guy in a turban. I well, mean, it's crazy. Well, you know what would really be interesting? You know, in order to bring Cuban cigars in now, if you want to cheat, you get the cigar in Cuba and you put a different band on it, right, or put it in a different box. It'd be kind of hard to disguise the oil, say, no, this oil is not from Saudi Arabia. Smell it. Mmm. Mmm. Smells like sand. Smells like money. Hey, why study history? Why indulge in critical thinking when you can live entirely on urban myth? According to anonymously sourced reports pushed by right-wing blogs recently, members of Mexico's notorious Zetas drug gang crossed the border into, into Texas and, quote, in what could be deemed an act of war, unquote, seized two ranches near the border town of Laredo. The situation was dire, wingers warned, but a government-enforced media blackout kept knowledge of the raid from the general public. Probably was all those black helicopters jamming the airways. Really? This is really interesting. This is really, really, uh, this is dangerous. This is dire. No, not really. Here's the thing. The raid never happened. The story originated with Jeff Schwilk, the founder of the anti-immigration San Diego Minutemen. Oh, let's count on him. Now, there is a trustworthy source. 
In an interview with uh, Talking Points Memo, Schulich said he has a friend who has a friend in the Laredo, Texas Police Department. According to Schulich, the Laredo PD source, right, contacted Schulich's friend late on July 23rd saying some big stuff was going down here. He was mad. He was upset that the media was not covering the incident, Schulich said. They were waiting for the feds to come in. Schwillick, who calls his group basically an intelligence center and a news source without a news outlet, whatever that means, it's like a brain without a brainwave, he sent the tip to Dan Amato, also known as Digger. I love these nerds. I love these get-a-life, leprosy, white-skinned, you know, kind of moist nerds who give themselves these names, Ace, Digger, and all that. And the guy's a schlub. And he blogged the news on his website, citing Schwillick at 4.11 a.m. on July 24th. Amato wrote, The bloodbath continues along our southern border, and now word is coming in that Los Zetas, the highly trained killers formerly with the Gulf Cartel, have crossed into the United States and have taken over at least two ranches in the Laredo, Texas area. I am receiving word that the owners of the ranches have evacuated, right, without being harmed. The source is law enforcement in the area. Hours later at 11.18 a.m., writing for Examiner.com, Kimberly Dvorak confirmed the report with two sources inside the Laredo Police Department. Those sources are voices inside her head. Kimberly is nuts. In what could be deemed an act of war against the sovereign borders of the United States, Mexican drug cartels have seized control of at least two American ranches inside U.S. territory near Laredo, Texas. The story spread. Michelle Malkin, Breitbart.tv. Oh, he's a good source. Yeah, yeah, if you want to be a, a, a crazy, you know, without responsibility racist, he's a good one. And the Jawa report picked it up, among others. The report raged on Twitter. The Laredo Police Department was flooded with calls. But as local reports suggested, and Talking Points Memo confirmed, law enforcement in the area had no idea where the bogus story came from. Basically, everyone was shrugging their shoulders. Joe Beza, an investigative uh, investigator and public affairs officer with the Laredo Police Department, says there was no proof or evidence that, that anybody could find. The really strange part is that nobody believed the locals, Baeza said. Don Amato, Schwillick, and others have decried a supposed media blackout, but Baeza pointed to a local paper and an NBC affiliate, both of which had debunked the story. So, are the creators of the story backing down? No way. Amato has continued to blog the story, treating it as a cover-up. These guys should be taken out and verbally whipped. He hasn't responded to TPM's request for comment. Dvorak responded uh, uh, to our email saying, I stand by my source and story, and I'm updating it in a forthcoming way. Schwillick said the report had been confirmed by dozens of people, but that the government doesn't want this stuff getting out. Others on the right, however, are disavowing the story. Michelle Malkin amended her original post with an update that reads, Updated! No U.S. ranch seizures! 51 bodies discovered in Monterey! What? They won't stand down. Of course, they don't have to stand down. They're just a bunch of lying nerds. They have fun tweaking each other and tweaking the public. When anything goes wrong, hey, blame it on the black helicopters. Common ground called money.
I have Scott Wilde on the phone. Great, Scott. Well, Scott, we, we just did an interview recently about Twitter, and we're going to talk about podcasting today, but there's an extra Twitter story that I think you want to make us familiar with. Absolutely, and this is uh, I, and I don't have the article in front of me, but this is the uh, female bike rider who was out on the mountain bike trails, and it was in USA Today. I saw, that's where I saw it. And she uh, went head over heels, went over the handlebars, broke her neck, uh, could not her cell phone coverage would not cover that area, um, and she none of her friends were available. So she she had about a thousand followers on Twitter, and ended up sending 
a tweet that she was in danger, needed help, and she had several people call 911 on her behalf, and she was eventually rescued because of that. I just think that, you know, things break on Twitter and you see it being used all the time. Uh, it's amazing. The two girls in Australia that were uh, stuck in the storm drain, right. and they, they posted a status update on their Facebook account, and that's what alerted the media to come and the, the, the paramedics and the emergency vehicles to come and find them. It's a big, wide, weird digital world. Okay, podcasting. I mean, this is yep. the soul of, of Radio Free Oz. When I started this originally, I thought, well, people are going to gather around their computers and stream. Was I wrong? I was back in the days when I hid under my covers as an 11-year-old listening to Alan <laughs> Freed in, 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 in Cleveland, you know, play, play funny uh, rhythm and blues records. They don't do that. They podcast it. They want Oz in their ears. Absolutely. So, podcasting. Tell us about it. How how do we? How does someone get involved? What does it mean? What's the equipment? What's the outreach? Absolutely. Well, uh, first of all, podcasting is like you said, the heart and soul of Radio Free Oz. And a lot of people think that podcasting is merely just taking an audio clip or a video clip and sticking it on your website. And there's a few more elements that are needed to truly make it a podcast. And that has to do with something called RSS, which is it. The acronym stands for really simple syndication. Think of it like um, a news, you have a newspaper subscription and you have the paper boy that shows up every morning on your doorstep and he delivers the entire uh, newspaper in its entirety and there you go, every morning like clockwork. That's you're subscribed to that newspaper. Well, really simple syndication, or I like to call it really simple subscriptions, allows people to subscribe, for example, to Radio Free Oz. And every time we create a new episode, that can be delivered right to your iTunes, to your iPod, to your MP3 player, to your desktop computer, or any RSS reader like Google Reader, for example. And every time there's something new created, it's delivered automatically into your, well, let's just call it an inbox uh, for the, the sake of. But it could be your uh, iPhone, right? It, it, it could be your iPhone. It could be your phone. Anything that can read that feed. Now, what happens is what you need a service that will create what's called an RSS enclosure. And I like the way that um, there's a book called Digital Handshake by Paul Cheney that I'm reading. And I love the way that he, I love the analogy he used in podcasting. He said, RSS enclosure, what happens is if you have a service like uh, Blog Talk Radio or Podbean or iTunes, they will take your audio file and they'll wrap it in this RSS enclosure. And think of it like an envelope. And your podcast is put into this envelope, delivered to the location. It could be your phone or, like you said, or your iPhone or your, your iPod Touch or iPad, whatever. And your iPhone will open the envelope, pull the contents out, and store it when until you're ready to listen to it. Well, that's so good. That's you very need that handy. RSS enclosure. Um, so when you have, you know, you would sign up for some kind of a service like, you know, you can go to Blog Talk Radio or we use Podbean. Um, we're going to push stuff out through iTunes. So you need some services. If you are savvy enough to create your own RSS enclosures and you know how to write the code, then you're covered and you, and you can create your what is called a podcast that people can subscribe to. If you don't know the first thing about it, if you can maybe get an audio file created, then or a video file shot on your little handheld video camera, then use a service like Podbean. You upload it to them. They take care of the rest. They create the enclosure. They let it talk to iTunes. Uh, they make it so that the world can subscribe through RSS, really simple subscriptions, 
and they can subscribe to your content. Now, they don't have to go to your site every day and say, hey, I wonder if there's anything new. They'll know something's new when it shows up in their inbox. Okay, So you can upload a file to your website, and it's valuable, but it doesn't have the legs or it doesn't have the potential to become viral until you turn it into a podcast using those RSS enclosures. And certainly, if there's anything I want to be, Mr. Scott, it's viral. You know, I Absolutely. never thought about that, but yeah, I want to be viral. You know exactly. Well, you know, I have. Uh, I got to admit, you know, I have rarely listened to this show actually on the website. I usually subscribe to it through the RSS feed through iTunes. And when I wake up in the morning, the latest version of Radio Free Oz is already on my iPod. So I listen to it when I'm, you know, ten minutes at a time when I'm going to work or I'm I'm heading over to a client meeting. I got a lot of windshield time, so that's when I choose to consume Radio Free Oz because it's where I want, when I want, and I can easily go back and re-listen to segments. And it's, it's, uh, it's super convenient, and that's what it's all about. Well, thank you, Scott. We'll, 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 we'll keep up to date with social media and all the stuff that's plugging and playing uh, as long as we've got you on board. Thanks again. Absolutely. When 14-year-old Bethany Mota gets back from the mall, she eagerly models her latest finds for friends and family and for tens of thousands more on YouTube. The rising high school sophomore from Los Banos, California, is a hauler, a term for tech-savvy young fashionistas who show off their purchasers or hauls in homemade videos that they post online. Bethany started hauling about a year ago and now has more than 48,000 YouTube subscribers who tune in to watch her show off her favorite back-to-school outfits, big-volume mascara, and perfumes. Well, just would you excuse me for a second while I yawn continuously for about a year? Of course, the center of this whole thing is handing the culture over to people under 15. I mean, sometimes I think our foreign policy is being handled by people under 15. Go get them, revenge, uh, post-apocalypse, you know, our, our, our whole idea of AFPAC is point and shoot. But this is about consuming. And this is about uh, watching 15-year-olds on YouTube coming home from the mall. I mean, it ain't Dostoevsky. All right. So uh, here's what she says. You get to connect with girls around the world. And that's what reeled me in, said the doe-eyed, fresh-faced teen. YouTube videos, she says, they're more personal and more real than a commercial on TV. Everything is more personal and more real than a commercial on TV, Bethany. Get a life. Wake up. Read a book. Ever heard of critical thinking? It can give you a brain cramp, but it's worth it. Hauling has become an internet phenomena over the last year or so, fueled by a mix of exhibitionism and voyeurism. Ah, there's a cocktail. As the shop and, and tell trend has grown, so has the influence of haulers themselves, usually teen girls or young women. A successful video can garner hundreds of thousands of views, which has boosted some haulers into so-called beauty gurus and huge fan bases. She's a beauty guru? Well, the Kardashians, isn't that family whose father got, I mean, didn't get uh, OJ off, but he tried the best he could. I mean, talk about the end of the world as boredom, sitting there watching people who have nothing to do and nothing to say, doing nothing and saying nothing. Nothing. 
Major retailers are watching too. Yeah, they got nothing else to do. They aren't selling anything. JCPenney flew Bethany and five other haulers from around the country to Texas and gave each girl gift cards worth $1,000 to shop the department store's back-to-school selection. They didn't give five needy families in Texas $1,000 so they could maybe get some food and a motel room because they're living in their car. No, they flew in these Flashugana haulers. After the shopping spree, the girls were required to record their own haul videos, which JCPenney posted on its website and on Facebook and YouTube. It's the perfect marriage of two of Gen Y's favorite things, technology and shopping, said Mike Boylston, chief marketing editor at JCPenney. Marketeers have to realize that they're not truly in control. More and more, the idea of consumers as publishers is huge. Well, now the sun rising over... The Grand Canyon is huge. The unconditional love of whoever put this planet together is huge. Uh, the idea of consumers as publishers to me is minuscule. In a recent haul video about nail polish, oh, no, come on, I can't wait. Bethany begins with, hey, guys, so first off, please excuse the hair. It's like really crazy. And in her seven-minute, 33-second video about her J.C. Penny haul, she uses the word cute 27 times because she has no vocabulary. As in, I also got this really cute boot t-shirt and has some, some, some studded rhinestones on the shoulders. I think that's so, so cute. What, when she finds out that well, some member of her family is terminal, they've got this cutest cancer. Her most watched haul on spring and summer fashions has attracted more than 96,000 viewers. Now, critics have decried the haul sensation as an indulgent display of excess by spoiled teenagers bragging about their latest splurges. Where did they ever come up with those ideas, those killjoys? They are so totally out of touch. What have they been doing? Reading real literature? Others say haul videos help teens so that they can express themselves and share shopping ideas with their girlfriends. But on a global scale. Yeah, the teenagers in Isfahan, Iran, who are being suppressed by the Revolutionary Guard, they really have to know what Bethany bought at JCPenney. Give me a break! What's that all about? What's it all about, Mr. and Mrs. John Q. Smith from Anytown, USA? Well, it's about this long. And about that wide. And it's about this country. About which we're singing about. A lot of incumbents lost their way in this last primary uh, because of the Tea Party movement and all of the, the rise of the crazies. Most of them being Republicans, by the way, nice, serious, conservative Republicans, and some of them becoming, I think, heroes like Bob Ingalls of South Carolina, who lost his primary 71 to 29, an incumbent being beaten 71% to 29. Well, what did he do wrong? Well, he was on CNA and he said he talked uh, he talked about the crazy right-wing conspiracy theories that drove him out of office and his inability and refusal to go along with them. So CNN, CNN host Rich Sanchez went over a recent piece on Inglis and Mother Jones in which Inglis talked about the crazies that he would come across on the campaign trail. Sanchez read from Inglis's recollection of a conversation with some voters. Bob, what don't you get? Barack Obama is a socialist, communist, Marxist who wants to destroy the American economy so he can take over as, as, as dictator. Healthcare is part of that, and he wants to open up the Mexican border and turn the U.S. into a Muslim nation. 
Sanchez asked Inglis who these people were, and in response, Inglis conceded he might have done better politically had he humored them. That was several 80-year-old couples that were expressing their views. And you know, what I should have said was, over my dead body, that's going to happen. I can guarantee it's not going to happen, he said. But that would have been the better answer, wouldn't it, rather than the one I gave, which is, well, it's not quite that bad. Let's keep it within the realm of facts. He lost those votes. Uh Okay, then here's the other one. He says... um, uh, the one who said, Bob, I sat down and they said on the back of your social security card, there's a number. That number indicates the bank that bought you when you were born based on a projection of your life's earnings. I'm going to try and not laugh here, says Bob, and you are collateral. We are all collateral for the banks. Uh, I have this uh, look like, what the heck are you talking about? I'm trying to hide that look and look clueless. I figured clueless was better than argumentative. So they said, you don't know this? You're a member of Congress and you don't know that? Inglis responded, well, you know, I think that my colleague put it well to me last week. She said that her father used to tell her, leaders can either lead or mislead. And, you know, if you're going to lead, you know, you, you need to lead with facts and you need to help people know what is real when you face them. Facts are real, irrelevant these days. Facts have nothing to do. It's, it's, it's what is claimed on Fox News, okay? And it's what people believe about, for one thing, about the Constitution. Well, my favorite, think, David, I've heard a lot of these crazy theories, but yeah. I like the fact that my Social Security number is my collateral number at some bank, at some that, bank owes, that, o- that owns you. me, paid yeah. for me based on my projected earnings. Middle class, Jewish boy, Shaker Heights, fairly well thought out parent. No, He's worth more than, you know, some bum born in the, yeah, in the there's, a, there's a guy from South Carolina, right? South Carolina. South Carolina is the home of the Confederacy. They have not changed in 150 years. Give me a break, you well, know. But this guy, Ingalls, is, is a good man. Well, I'm, I'm glad they've got somebody down there who's a good man because <laughs> otherwise you just have to carve that state out and kind of float it out to sea. Along with Arizona. We'll talk about that later. It's about time I put this mask away 
being nearly drowned more than once it's time I realized I can barely keep that undertow at bay I keep searching searching for these mysteries can't keep me keep me down on my knees In the post-slavery days, it was Democrats who were the racial demagogues, writes E.J. Dionne. They railed against the so-called Reconstruction Amendments with racist rhetoric, but Republicans won the day. Too bad their political descendants are happy to destroy that legacy by forcing a debate about the 14th Amendment, which guarantees citizenship to those born on U.S. soil. Lindsey Graham, in particular, is leading the charge, sneering that illegals come here to, in Graham's only a man could say this phrase, drop a baby. Even worse, John McCain, who once referred to those babies as God's children, is buckling. Rather than shout, I'll just ask the question in a civil way, writes Dion in the Washington Post. Dear Republicans, do you really want to endanger your party's greatest political legacy by turning the 14th Amendment to our Constitution into an excuse for election year ugliness? You know, Dave, we've been keeping pretty close tabs on Sharon Angle because she is she is a wingnut that always delivers, right? You For a show like this. You want one of those. Yeah, all right. Yeah. So, uh, what did she come up with? Well, next? She, she's this uh, candidate, Republican candidate for Senate against Harry Reid in Nevada. 
and she has long um, seen religious meaning behind her candidacy, going so far as to tell supporters that God was behind her rise from political obscurity, guiding her path to Congress. She's not the first that has said that. Oh, she no, no, no. God is on my side. Right. God was yeah. in, influenced to run by my, by prayer, all of that. Sure. Okay, but recently the celestial threads took another turn towards the bazaar as Nevada political reporter Joe Ralston uncovered an interview in which the Tea Party favorite said that actions of the federal government were a violation of the first commandment, not amendment, commandment. I know people are very frightened about what's going on in this country, Angle said in an interview that originally aired on April 21st on True News Christian Radio's Rick Wiles show. And these programs that you mentioned, that Obama was was going with Reid and Pelosi, pushing them forward, are all entitlement programs built to make government our God. And that's really what's happening in this country is a violation of the first commandment. We have become a country entrenched in idolatry, and that idolatry is the dependency upon our government. We're supposed to depend upon God for our protection and our provision and for our daily bread, not for our government. And we're just, we've just really identified the real crux of the problem. Well, statement alone was rather glaring rejection of just how infused religion and, you know, but, but the Nevada Republican also made major waves arguing in opposition to abortion, even in cases of rape and incest. She's a dandy, Dave. Well, that, she's very consistent. Yeah, she is. She's, she's consistent. Uh, but uh, now, uh, t- tell me this uh, first commandment, of course, is thou, thou shalt, shalt have no other gods other before, gods before So uh-huh. basically, because uh, Obama is pushing health care and various other Those socially- are not godly things. No, that's, I don't think so. That's no. not godly. That's Caesar. That's not what you render under God. Yeah, that's- I mean, God gives you good health or- or or not, yeah. I guess, but it's up to the government to 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 protect. The job of the government is to protect its citizens. Yes, well, I mean, come on, gee. Well, oh, but of course, her, her um, communications director that she had just hired shot back. You don't understand. Only the supreme arrogance of Senator Reid would believe that he has a divine right to rule over mere mortals by ramming through Obamacare, billions in reckless spending, and yes, buying cocaine for monkeys. He gets that. <laughs> the fact is, well, that's pretty silly. I didn't know he did that. That's kind of crazy. Buying cocaine is, for monkeys. Reid has acted like an all-powerful and, and accountable to no one. People are frustrated because, like Sharon, they understand Washington has become a giant, unseen, omnipotent force whose presence is felt in all our lives, whether we like it or not. Wait a minute. When did when did Reed buy cocaine for monkeys? And where was I when it happened? I was born an American. I was raised an American. And I'll die an American in America with our Well, all good things like Radio Free Oz must come to an end, and we must do exactly that, but not before we give you your taste of tang. That's right, a Wang Wei poem. Oh, I love Wang Wei. That's the way, man. A lot of a lot of poems about mm, traveling and going mm-hmm. home, or in this right. case, not going home. Floating on a marsh. Autumn. The sky huge and clear. The marsh miles from farms and houses. Overjoyed by the cranes. Standing around the sandbar, the mountains above the clouds in the distance, this water utterly still in the dark, the white moon overhead. I let my boat drift free tonight. I can't go home. 
I know just how he feels. <laughs> Radio Free Oz, made possible by the Oz team. I'm your host, Peter Bergman, my co-host, David Osmond. Yo. Bill McIntyre produces the whole schmageggy. Dave Maloney is our senior engineer. Chaz Glass does the figures. Tom Gedwillow keeps the web up. John Cumming is our special assistant and consultant in things electronic. Scott Wilde is in charge of social media. And Phil Fount makes it all look so beautiful. See you soon.